Purdue Basketball Podcast. I'm Elliot Bloom, joined by the voice of the Boilermakers, Larry Clisby. Hall of Famer Larry Clisby. I need to keep working that in. And today, episode 46 here on the podcast, and we welcome in our head men's swimming coach, Dan Ross, uh, the dean in many ways. Um, coach is not only the dean of all swimming and diving coaches in the uh, Big Ten, but he's also the dean of Purdue head coaches. Um, he's been uh, our di- swimming and diving coach for, what, 33 years? Yeah, this is number 34. 34. 34 years at the helm of that program. And, uh, of course, your association with Purdue um, is even longer than that. Um, and, and I think that might be a good place to start. So. Well, don't put my name on this podcast. Nobody will listen to it. You need to have some creative <laughs> no, Larry we, Clisby thing, and maybe somebody will listen. We've been wanting to have you on for a while. In fact, I wrote out – I have a long list of names that, of course, Larry and I work with uh, Sylvia Booker, our, our uh, booking uh, our talent acquirer, yeah. if you will. And, it is uh, kind of surprising her last name matches her job. It is. It's very <laughs> ironic. Um, it's almost like she was destined for it. Well, Larry, it Larry and I go way back. I used to way from my, my driveway to his driveway where he's working in the, back in old Barberry Heights. He'd be over there working in his garage, and I'd be working in mine. Hey, Larry, how you doing? Big way across Good. the way there. Long time ago. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's that's the beauty of age, isn't it, Dan? Yes. We've been <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. Where do those days go? So, Good. so Good Coach, forty-first year or going in your forty-second year associated with uh, Boilmaker Aquatics. Um, how how did it start? How did you how did your uh, association with Purdue start? My dad went to Purdue. My dad went uh, grew up in Detroit. My parents grew up in Detroit. My dad uh, was a chemical engineer at Purdue. Graduated uh, in fifty one, fifty two. He went to University of Illinois. Graduated. Married my mom. They went to uh, right away to Augusta, Georgia, South Carolina side, where the Savannah River plant is. It's a twenty five mile diameter plant where they made the tritium and plutonium and beryllium and he worked in the lab and he was really smart i was not um and i was going to go to purdue my brothers and sisters went to clemson in south carolina um i'm a sand lapper uh, from way back but uh, i knew i was going to purdue when i was a young kid I, I, my dad never pushed it on me you didn't have the scores on your phone you looked in the newspaper to look up the scores and hopefully you'd see it in the transaction section or something but I was a Purdue fan from early, early on. My senior year in high school, uh, my, my dad worked for DuPont, which at the Savannah River plant, the headquarters were in De- uh, Delaware. So we moved to Delaware my senior year, which a lot of people say that's why I'm so weird. Um, <laughs> I got yanked up going into my senior year in high school. And I, I'd already been accepted to Purdue before I started. Knew I was coming here. I was a walk-on. I just wanted to have a chance to swim. And Doc Combs was the head coach then. And, and I was a walk. I got no money, never got a dime to go to school uh, at Purdue. My dad paid for everything. And uh, when I got done, I was a, they needed a, a quarter-time assistant. I made 129 bucks every other week. I was the happiest man in the world. And in 1983, became the, head, the, the first full-time assistant coach, making $13,000. And I thought I was in hog heaven. And then two years later, uh, George King said, Dan, we don't have much, but if nobody drowns, you got a job for life. <laughs> and I was making nineteen thousand, which went a long ways at the chocolate shop back in those days. So yeah. that was a that was oh, yeah. I was living hog heaven back in those days. What year? What year were you at one hundred nineteen dollars a week? Yeah, one hundred and twenty nine every other week. Nineteen eighty one, eighty two. Eighty one, eighty two. Seventy 
In 72, my first job was 133 in radio, man. I, I man, you clocked were you. Butt. Yeah, I <laughs> clocked you. And $15, a, and $15 a game, and I thought I was slightly underpaid. Yeah. They, they didn't think that, but I did. <laughs> How many games have you done? Could you even guess? Well, yeah, I keep a track of it now. I oh counted it about two or three years ago. It's well over 1,200. Oh, my gosh. You know what's amazing is when – and we've had – other guests have said this. When you talk about earlier in your career and the money you made, nobody cared. And nobody – you know, nobody cared. You were just happy. And I remember I, – I don't – I don't go back as far as you guys, but I can remember my first, uh, I can remember being an intern and making nothing. And then years later, my mom, my mom found out how little I made. She said, I didn't know that. I f-. And she feels guilty this day. She was like, we would have <laughs> helped you out. We didn't know you were making that little. And I thought, I was, I was fine. It was some of the happiest years of my life. Nobody was, gets in this business for the money. Yeah. You might end up with the money. Um, and, and, and people just don't understand. Here, here's a story. I, I just Gene called yesterday. Always calls just to say hi and whatever. And I, is, he, I, is he back? Is he back from? Uh, yeah, he, he's in Myrtle Beach now. So Myrtle, you know what? They were either just going or just coming back. I can't remember which. Um, I can't remember if this was when he got back or the last time I talked to him. He was just heading over, but he just misses talking to people who understand sports the way he does as opposed to sitting in a coffee shop and listening to people that don't know about sports so he just he just loves picking up the phone but I, this is a kind of an emotional thing I, I told him this I said I remember when Pat died we were at the the solar baker and all everybody there just places packed but we're, we're all his buddies and it's all buddy stuff, and it's all Gene stuff. And I saw there was a moment where he was looking in the mirror before the thing totally by himself. And I could see, you could see Pat in him and the, 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 the pain on his face and the, the, the actual couple. And I said, I said yesterday, I said, people don't, they're all your buddies. And they're not, you know, really don't love you. Like, and don't see what you do every day. Don't see those moments when you're with your wife and, and he said, "Yeah, you know, just you got a lot of friends, but you really don't." Um, and and that's what you got to love about Gene is just he's. When my dad passed away in two thousand four, when I walked in, I drove all the way to South Carolina, got up at the front. Wh- whose flowers were right in the front? Gene Katie's. I mean, I'm a lowly swimming coach. What? Why? Because that's the way he was. He just treated everybody the same, and and just, I just remember that moment him looking in the mirror and how how painful it was for him and all his buddies are just talking about basketball i mean even at the funeral right, people are just right. talking about yeah. dumb stuff you know buddy stuff and then to see that pain on somebody's face is is you know in, in, in real life and you know we're talking about real life right now well i know uh you and and so our listeners know uh your guys's relationship uh, go, you and Coach Katie's goes back a long way as well. And part of the reason was in the old, uh, before Mackey got renovated, um, we had office pods kind of around the concourse on the outside. And uh, the swimming and diving program shared an office pod with men's basketball. And so, um, yeah, Gene know, was like, if we're going to have, if I got to share with somebody, it's going to be Dan Ross and, and swimming. <laughs> so, you know, the, the, probably the least, uh, offensive group, but yeah, we'd be sitting down there and Mike Keeler, my first time assistant coaches, he's been head coach at San Diego for 20 years now. And Gene would come down and he just loved it. Mike, how's it going? You know, he, we'd have a, the copy machine was down by us. So everybody came down to make copies and he'd just sit in your office. Like, what do you need? What do you need? What do you need? You know, 
or you know you'd be playing golf with him and i'd miss a putt he'd be like ross what the frick you know you can't putt <laughs> and then when i'd make a putt for somebody else you'd be like you never did that when you're my partner so those things just went back we were in the same office and he was just uh, amazing and he made everybody feel like they were your closest friends and i was about 800 down the list but he made you feel like you were top two right and i think the other thing that he he was so good at is he always he always spoke his mind but it seemed to be the right thing to say and <laughs> there's a story uh friends of ours um friends of coach painters um that we, we used to do the outing every year at the beef house with coach weber when he was at illinois we did a coaches versus cancer outing and one year they auctioned off a golfing with lou henson and golfing with coach katie and the, and this Larry's heard this story. This group of this group of guys bought both outings, so they called both coaches and say, "Look, these these are designed. We we're going to do it on our own, but we think it'd be cool if we all got together and did two foursomes and played." So both coaches were like, "Yeah, that'd be great." So they went over to Harrison Hills in Attica, met halfway between, and they get on the first tee, and the the friend of ours. Uh, he he's in Coach Katie's foursome, and he's like, now they decide they're gonna let me tee off first. He goes, so I get up there, and he goes, now I'm nervous. My knees are shaking. He goes, you know, I'm playing with Coach Katie and Lou Henson. I mean, these are some icons of big, you know, the Big Ten. And he said, and I tee off, and that ball scoots down the middle of the fairway, maybe 30, 30 yards. And he said, and he kind of looked back at Coach Katie. He goes, oh boy. He goes, it's gonna be a long day if you don't if you don't get better. And just, and he said, hey, right, hey, no mercy. Hey, I got to tell you, you brought up Harrison Hills. Yeah. I'm going to throw in a, a related story. This Not to that group, but I was playing with a bunch of heavy hitters from Lafayette years ago. And we went to Harrison Hills. And I had the same same thing. They, they said, Coach, go ahead. Tee it up. Let's go. Uh, and you're number one. And, you know, at Harrison Hills, behind you there is that dining room or oh, something yeah. and windows yeah. behind you and you're up on a you're up on a hill oh yeah and then if 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 you really mess up the shot i mean let's say you just miss it uh which i proceeded to do <laughs> i hit it behind me it oh, hit no. the it hit the it hit the one of the directional blocks <laughs> hit that thing and went scooting right by my forehead and back behind behind that hill down in down in there like in a gutter almost and i had to go so my second shot and i'm i mean i'm playing with the greats of the greats of lafayette and i'm i'm so embarrassed i I know reedy was with us and i and everybody's laughing i mean they they can't help but laugh i mean everybody's just laughing howling and i go back there and take you know i gotta take a wedge and go back there and wedge it over the tee to get it hopefully back to the fairway and that's how my day started oh beautiful yeah but that was coach that's coach katie you could say just about anything anything at any time and it would always seem like the perfect thing to say so coach uh uh, talk a little about one of the things um with your program um when we started our facility renovation and I don't know how old the pool is now, but uh, opened in two thousand one. Okay, so you know we start. I think it was about twenty years ago when we really started taking a holistic look at the facilities, and and right away the pool kind of was at the top of the list. <laughs> Talk about the old pool that was actually for our listeners who don't know, it was located over in Lambert, right next door to Mackey here, 
and just talk about the setup over there and how bad it really was. Yeah, I, I, sometimes I miss it because it was in total control. Because it was essentially, here, the best analogy I can give you was 169,000 gallons. That sounds like a lot of water. Our pool here is 1.5 million gallons. <laughs> so that's the, that's the difference. So it was 25 yards by 40 feet. Our lanes were six and a half foot wide and uh, six lanes. Now we have 20 lanes that are eight foot wide and a diving well. So, yeah, that's that was the biggest difference. It was it – was, uh, I actually still spent more time in there than I have in the new pool because uh, that thing was built in 37, 39. I've been in there since 77. So we're getting getting close now. But, but this pool was open in 2001, August, and looks like it was open just yesterday. They've done a great job of keeping it up. Yeah, it's a fantastic venue. And uh, – I know when you guys have home uh, meets, and uh, it's a great, uh, great place to watch. You sit up top, kind of, you know, look down on everything. Um, the diving well, as you said, is over there. Um, and then another tie-in with basketball. And I, back in those days, there were no NCAA rules in terms of how many hours a week or days a week you could work with kids. And the basketball program used to always take the guys over there on Sundays to go swimming um, to kind of. You know, get. I, I think Coach K would say, get the crud out of their muscles and stuff. Let them relax a little bit. Yeah, we um, did that in uh, in Lambert several times. Yeah, uh, it was a great. Lot of lot of sports would use that just to get over there, open it up, just clean out the. You know, there's no there's no stress on the muscles. You can, you can just kind of clean out all that lactate and stuff in there without any stress. So they used that a lot. It was very valuable for us. There's a great photo in uh, one of the archives downstairs of they threw Coach Weber in the pool one Sunday after they won the won a big game or something and there's a picture of coach weber in mid-flight flying through the air heading towards the water <laughs> that is funny. yeah i saw i saw a picture of coach weber um i think it was on gold and black just recently they did a little segment of a 1988 team and saw coach weber gosh he looked young man oh man oh well, man he was young yeah i can remember I, him yeah on Sunday, was, sitting down at the chocolate shop, just having a beer, talking to somebody. I can't even remember who the guy was, but he was just sitting there. He's just a guy, you know. I mean, I I texted. He still got his number. Texted him when Kansas State won that game, wherever it was, and, and he got right back to me. You know, just still. I can remember my wife, Sally, was having going through her cancer treatments, um, and I just let myself go. It was awful. I, I just I think I was in denial, but, you know, kind of what they call envy or whatever you call it. So I just – was a mess and then uh they we were at the same hotel at michigan state one time and he just hey come on down we're watching film we're gonna have some chicken and have a couple beers and i just went in there and hung out with their staff where they watched watch film for the next night so he was he's always been there too so it's just those are the things about purdue it's just the relationships you've had um over those years i i was always privy to the basketball people and and a lot of the football people for that matter and we you were just you were just kind of a family just you know you just love being around Purdue people and it was just a it was just a lot of fun and people ask you what you know I, I just talked to a coach the other day that, that uh, retired he says somebody said you miss college coaching he says no not at all except the relationships and a lot of them are your your coaching peers and as uh, mm -hmm. uh, Joe Tiller used to say God rest his soul he'd be like you know this would be a great profession if it wasn't for the games we could all go out <laughs> and have a beer and take you know do whatever but we, we're, we're too busy trying to kill each other that. You know, and you can't do that. So that's it'd be a great profession if it wasn't for the games. Well, I know uh, when we have different things in the department here, meetings or head coaches' meetings, um, I know that uh, some coaches talk and some coaches talk more than others. And 
<laughs> you've always you've you've always been uh, three names just popped in my head. I'm not even going to go there. But. <laughs> but you've always been a guy when when you talk. Um, I think uh, I think a lot of there's a I think a little bit more attention paid to it. I think um, you know I think you get to an age though, Elliot, that you you don't care what people think anymore. So you're just going to get it out there, right? And but, I, and, but you learn from the Gene Cage of the world that what who can who can say things and get away with them and. And I'm probably oh, one yeah. of those guys that that now that I can say certain things that that can that can come across. But I'm what's also nice is I'm I'm a swimming coach, so you know it's it's a pretty neutral thing, and and you can you can speak. Um, but yeah, I can remember a couple of our meetings where we just had when Matt got on on a roll one time, and it was just coaches. Actually, Morgan was not there. This is way before Mike. Morgan wasn't there, and we just we just got into some unbelievably good dialogue, and I think just always trying to reignite that we had a meeting one time where we it was just the coaches and i went around and got to interview every head coach for an hour and a half and got some great notes and we had a meeting and and morgan wasn't even allowed to sit at the table he was there but we we ran the thing and we came up with some really good stuff there's so many smart people that care around here and and uh, to be able to talk with them and listen to them is, is is huge and that's what i like to say i like to think i listen and then when you only speak when you really have something to say i wish more people would do that yeah uh, that's the amen to that let me amen ask- to that elliot <laughs> <laughs> hear that larry listen <laughs> so let me ask you this um i mean the one common denominator that everybody sitting around that table has as coaches is you're all dealing with young people so, over the years, how's that changed? You know, we were talking about that before we started recording. Um, I, I think kids haven't changed so much as parents. Well, first of all, kids have to become parents, right? So, eventually, you, you do that. And the thing with this group, I don't even know if we're on millennials or we're on Gashnedans or whatever the heck they call them these nowadays. I know. They, they change. Whatever yeah, names they change. So, yeah. Is that you have this phone. And when we were kids in the newspaper, I had the Augusta Chronicle, was, was our newspaper. And you had one editorial a week, and then people for the week would send in their pros and cons. And their job was to split it down the middle and get people from each side to go. Now these ads have a billion a second editorials that they have to list. And they, and they have to think about them, and they, they, they can't. It's just too much. So, so you, you don't really have any opinions. You don't have life lessons. You just have information. So all these kids we're coaching now are smarter than me. They always have been. It's not that hard to be. But they don't have the life lessons that we have. And then they have parents now that have grown up with the phone and have all this information. And then they have their ideas of, 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 of stuff. And then you do have the helicopter parents. I haven't experienced a whole lot of those. But I know this. I have three sons. Three of them went to swim at different places, not Purdue. They weren't Division One swimmers. Two went to Division Three. One went to Southern Illinois. And I had two of my three kids have some emotional issues when they went to school. Now, I had a decision to make, my wife and I, is if once I realized it wasn't serious that, you know, they're going to take their life or it's some stupid thing like that, not stupid, but, but, but really a problem, was like, okay, no, you know, like I think two of them would have come back to Purdue gone to school, hung out with their friends from Harrison High School. It would have been a disaster. And there's no way in heck I'd let them do that. And right now, you got a lot of parents that would do the opposite. They'd be like, you're not happy? Come on back. You know, be be under our shadows for a little bit more. And I've seen, I'm not going to go into 
specifics, but every coach at Purdue has had a couple where, you know, the dad, in my opinion, was weak and just let their daughters or sons or whatever just kind of walk all over them and say, oh, come back, you know, we'll take care of you. You're not, you're not happy. As opposed to you pick the freaking school, you freaking make it work. And that's what I told our kids. I said, you ain't coming back. You're there. You got to make it work. And they're the most loyal grads of their schools right now ever. One, now the first one was like, you know, you guys can leave whenever you want and found his roommate, <laughs> stay with him. Yeah. Best man at his wedding, blah, 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 that kind of thing. And that was great. But I tell you, you got kids now that I spend more time in my office with somebody broken up with a girlfriend or who is this great person that everybody sees, but you don't, they're living up to some myth of who they are as opposed to being a kid. And, and these guys, you know, somebody doesn't see you're these big, huge basketball players or big swimmers or whatever, and they come in and they look like these big men, and they're just boys. Right. They're boys, more so than girls. I mean, girls, you got a lot of – they wear their emotions out. But the guys, they have to be able to do that and get that stuff out there and then be able to pick it up and, and move back. So I do a lot of peeling away the onion and trying to figure out who this kid is to we go. And I, I my job now is why I go to Purdue is I tell them, I says, my job when you're 35 is to make you a better man, better husband, better father, better employer, better employee. And my conduit is swimming. And if we do it right, we'll swim fast. And I think that's what Matt does. You're, you're producing great people. And you tell, talk about, the, and we can mention, start talking about guys, you know, but uh, you're talking to some, some of your players, some of your best players would probably had the best family, best home family, whether it was one or two parents. And that person was really strong and won't let them go i've heard the carson uh, edwards and i've heard the ones about i can't remember what the story was matt was somebody the parent was harder on yeah matt than yeah. we were on on the kid you know like so those you got a chance when you do it it's when the when the when you look at the parents and there's nothing there oof, that's, that's tough that's tough it is tough i'm not sure i answered your question no it was great um you you talked about the phones and the difference with this generation and uh i know i mean i larry and i when we're on the road for basketball i mean we start our mornings off i mean larry reads the cleveland paper every morning and uh, you know that wasn't happening a while ago um even in more recent times you couldn't just you know now everything is so accessible and as you said it's so information driven um how, how how do you have any rules with your team with phones or anything like that? I you know I, I now I don't. We've had a lot of people say you should do this, you should do that, and and I just when we have a meeting, it's just all eyes on me. And look, we're going to talk about this for now. You 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 can go back to your phone here in a minute. Just turn them off. I've had a lot of people take them away on competitions and whatever. So I, I, I haven't done that yet, and, and I haven't really had a problem um, with it. But you know, we're, we we go to meets, and it's you know sometimes it's you're there for five days, so what yeah. am I going to do? Take your phone yeah, away from right, the phone? Right, you got right. seven sessions at the Big Ten meet, but you know, I think everything. The first of all, you can't legislate morality. You can't rules are made to be broken. If you have a zero tolerance for something, you've got to be prepared to do something about it as opposed to win the press conference saying, hey, we got a zero tolerance on it. We don't have a problem here at Purdue. You just lied. Okay, that's, that's not, that doesn't happen. Right. you got to be, you got to educate. We are in the education business. Everything we do is about education. Everything from learning how to say please and thank you at a restaurant. You know, I, I pride myself that we go to a restaurant and they come up and say, boy, your guys are really well behaved. And they just did, did That's what life is all about, teaching them how to 
how to act. You know, I've heard some, oh my gosh, unbelievable stories about Judd talking to his players at breakfast. Oh my gosh. Uh, I, I do a little, I try to do mine a little bit more behind the scenes than right in front of the help, but <laughs> I've heard I've been privy to hear some pretty good stories because back in the day when we had like a John Purdue day, we had Pat Naughton and Bob DeMoss and Dale Samuels and and those guys telling stories, George King, oh my God, I just had my ears open and kept my mouth I tried to keep it shut, but my my mouth kept opening up, my tongue was going. The stories that I heard, oh my gosh, just that is Purdue right there talking about that. But anyway, back to this is we're, we're constantly educating our kids. We need to talk to them about everything. They have to know what you're, how to act. You're, you're trying to win basketball games, but you're, it's all about character and, and teaching them how to act when they're 35 years old. Yeah. Well, one thing you don't want is have uh, your lead play by play announcer be in a meeting and have his phone go off. <laughs> When, when everybody's guy, supposed huh? to, yeah. When everyone's supposed to put it on airplane mode, yeah. I did it. I did it one time, and it looked like I had just uh, committed a, a sinful act of all time. <laughs> so it scares me to death. A lot of times, I forget that I have the phone in there, yeah, and then and as soon as as soon as I as soon as I think about it, then I go looking for it and make sure I have the airplane mode on because I don't so want that thing going off. <laughs> Yeah, that's a big one. Uh, the phones and the meetings is a big one. We we used to take we used to take phones the night before, but there's so many devices now, iPads and watches, and I mean they were yeah, just I, getting I have this thing else. now. Everything comes up on. I'm driving. My wife says, "Stop looking at your watch." I'm like, "Yeah, but I got a message." Something else, you know. There's other ways to do it. So you now can. we don't do anything. Plus, they have dummy phones. They have dummy phones too. <laughs> yeah. We 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 caught a couple guys turning in some some burner phones. And we uh, <laughs> just educate them, educate them to be there when you need them. Yeah, and and they'll be fine. We, oh, I agree. I, we got to educate, not this whole world. You know, you make a political commentary. Well, right then you got half your people are going to love it, and the other half are going to hate it. This all be about about. We have one rule. And this sounds really stupid. Dan Dockage really ripped me on this one. He's so Mr. Entertainment. Um, is uh, love your teammates. That's our goal. Everything will be traced back to that. That means also if you let your teammate do something stupid, well, you're not right. loving them. Or if you jump in there with them, you're not. It, it, you know, you it, it, there's all kinds of strange. But that's what it comes down to. You better take you better take care of your teammates. How in the heck can you have a team when we got six a.m. practice or something? And you got up, and your roommate, who's right next door, isn't here. Right. Stop being Good selfish. Point. Wake that guy up. How many times does that happen? And, it, and the guy will go, I don't know. Hear that, Elliot? Oh, yeah. hey, you hear that? It, Wake the guy up when he's in a in, a, in an airport before they get on a get on a trip to Rome, and tell him, Hey, Larry, you're supposed to come with us. Yeah, remember no, that. That was the famous yeah. story. We went to Italy six years ago. And Larry missed the flight. Oh my! And he was gosh. with us in O'Hare, was sitting with us. We got the two hundred twenty-seven people. Two hundred twenty-seven people, Dan. This is yeah. Dan. This was unbelievable. So every one of them, every one of them walked by me. We're all sitting there. Everybody's like, "Okay, last minute, you know, go to the bathroom. We're getting ready to board." We get on the plane. I'm sitting down. Coach Painter's two seats away. There's an empty seat in the middle of us. And I was like, "I wonder who's supposed to be here." And then all of a sudden, oh, no. all of a sudden, I said, "Hey, have you seen Cliz?" And Paint says, "No." And we start looking around, and oh, right after we say God. it, a, a flight attendant comes up and she says, "Is there a Lawrence Clisby here?" 
And we said no, but we know a Larry Clisby, and he's not here. But he was just with us. And she says, well, he needs to get in here. He's got about two minutes. So we immediately start calling, go straight to voicemail. We we are in panic mode. Uh, basically, <laughs> Coach Painter says, let me just I, – I know he's right here. Let me just go get him. They wouldn't let us do it. Right. We said make announcements. And then I thought – I thought, well, he's probably just hunched over in the bathroom. He's dead. He's just he's died on he's died on the can. That that was going through my head. He's dead on the can in an O'Hare airport or an airport O'Hare bathroom. So long story short, um, and Coach Painter had made the best call one of his one of the best calls he's ever made. He calls a friend of Larry's who we knew would be the guy Larry called after he realized he's missed this flight. And he said, Matt leaves a message and says, hey, Larry missed the flight. Now you tell him because he's going to want to tuck his tail between his legs and go home and crawl under in, in the bed, put the pillows down over his head, not come out for 10 days. He goes, you tell him to suck it up and go find an agent and get his butt to Rome. It's not that big a deal, but that's what needs to happen here. That's great. So Larry looks up and sees nobody around him and then proceeds to... Basically, check his voicemail. And how many uh, voicemails did you have there, Cliz? Oh, 27 or 28, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> oh, my God. And everyone leaving the message, where are you? Yes. In, in, in different ways of saying, where are you? Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, there's, it was, and to this day, I don't know what happened. I, 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 was reading a, I was reading a book, reading a cook magazine. Rachel Ray's magazine. <laughs> I must have fallen asleep. I turned my phone off, and whatever happened, happened. But it was the weirdest thing, man. When you wake up and everyone is gone, including the including the people at the desk, they're all gone too. Everybody was out of there. Oh my gosh! But the, oh, it, yeah. but the story ended well. He got on the on the next flight out to Rome and actually landed about two hours after we did. <laughs> everything awesome. was everything was oh, good. Yeah. But we had a. An unbelievable story to share for the but ages. that's but that's all just as Dan mentioned that's teammates yeah. good teammates don't let a teammate be the last person in a in, a, in an airport as Chicago's hey, hey, that's it we go on a trip like that and you have a roommate and so whoever your roommate is that week you better know where they're at right and if they're not on the bus you're just as guilty as they are well we'll be before we we start every practice we stretch and and uh when our guys are kind of assembling and it'll be let's say practice starts at two o'clock and it'll be you know 150 and the guys are kind of out there getting some shots up and getting ready to start stretching i'll i'll always come out and do a little assessment of where is everybody and if somebody's missing you know i'll go to somebody and say hey where's so-and-so and the first time they only make this mistake once when they say oh, i don't know boy that's the green light to let them have right, it because right. that is not the right answer no. the right answer is hold on a sec and and you run back and grab your phone and you text him it's right. your guys's job to get everybody here yep. and uh and yeah i think but i love i love that rule about just love your teammates because it all tra- it, you're right it all ties back to that and and there, uh, and, and there is an airport rule now dan <laughs> where's clisby <laughs> <laughs> yeah where's clisby yeah, Don't well, let I know them when out you, of your sight. I know when we went to Taipei, there was only one flight a day. So if you miss that one, you got to wait till the next day. Well, and to go for that sucker. This is how this is how close Coach Ross is with our program, and and what a Purdue guy he is. He went to Taipei with your son, right? Yep, my youngest son, and uh, came over and uh, 
did it had some um it was a split reason to be there he was doing some swimming swimming because uh, he was working he was it was it wasn't all just play but he was at all of our games and uh and i'll tell you the, the i was most envious of him i follow him on instagram and twitter <laughs> and everything this guy has the best meals and takes the best pictures like if you if you if you decide you don't want to coach anymore you could be a photographer for the cooking magazine that larry was reading <laughs> when he missed the plane to Rome. i do like to eat but you had some unbelievable pictures of some of the cuisine over there that you were having i love months. it you guys were in the village and we were at the Westin where the 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 mvps were so to speak with Purdue. So that was one of the reason they said hey we got some rooms over here why don't you go my son uh writes for swimming world magazine so he actually got a press pass and got to go in every Every venue basketball, he was down there with basketball and helped Chris Foreman out occasionally. Say, hey, you want some help with stats? Here's my son. He'll go help you with them. So we went to 19 different sports, diving, swimming, basketball. The only game I didn't go to was the last one. I apologize to Matt about that one. I yeah, think I, and I, I screwed yeah. the pooch on that one. And that, but, uh, that's the reason we got the silver. Coach so, Ross wasn't but there. But I was there for all the other ones, and uh, we had a blast. It was just being a, being a fan, but we had a girl swimming there you know obviously i know swimmers we had divers there so we just went to and my mentor who unfortunately just passed away this summer uh, his daughter lives in taipei you know she's 50 something years old but so she took us out a couple times and you know well i can't speak chinese and she immediately ran off and just ordered us this unbelievable food that you know i could have never done in a million years so we had a blast and i got to know your guys that was what was fun for me is i got to watch these guys play and i've got you know i've seen sasha now play a lot of games and nobody's seen him play. So, right. folks, you be, you better tighten up your your wigs here. It, it's going that boy can play. I yeah. mean, he can shoot better than probably anybody we had last year. So I even said, like, how are you going to redshirt that guy? So, so <laughs> who are we going to sit on the bench? So I got to watch those guys play, and so I feel like I I really I got it like I learned the team before the season started. So it was a lot of fun. Because once I get going, I I don't get to watch enough basketball. It's not like I got to watch swimming. So that was a that was a lot of fun going over there and just seeing you guys and harassing you a little bit. No, that was great. And I and uh, even though you are in season, I can always count on the day we travel. I can always <laughs> count on getting a text in the morning from Coach Ross that says what time are wheels up and where are we eating tonight. That's right. Absolutely. I got to know. I got to know what's going on. I got to yeah, But you're dialed in. Away. You're. I know you're busy with your season, but you always know what's going on with us because I get those texts all the time. Oh yeah. And, and your season, as you said, does overlap with ours, and almost exactly the same. And you guys have been—you've uh, been very successful, especially now. Do you, especially of late, um, do you attribute a lot of that to when you guys got in the new pool? Was that a, a game changer? The new for your pool program? was a game changer. By the end of the old pool, it was in 1997. We were 18th in the country in the old pool, and then it was—we were just falling apart at the seams uh, as the new pools were getting built going into 2001. And then the, the biggest thing we did is we we when I, I got I got a, a lot of responsibility in designing the pool, uh, and we put so much money in the diving in, and because uh, we had the absolute worst diving as bad as our swimming was, our diving was worse. So we we put a lot of money into that and and uh, got Winbo Chin here, and then and then again Adam Soldati, and we got these great divers. Now and. Um, Yes, yeah, so, so but it was still like like Joe Tiller would tell you. He said, you know, we went to the Rose Bowl, and you just think we're going to just start knocking on different doors, and it was not like that at all. It didn't really change a bit. We thought, oh, all these people are going to start talking. Said, that that doesn't doesn't happen. You got to do it over and over and over again. You got to just keep producing. We've actually had our two best recruiting years in the last two years. 
So we are our freshmen now are finaling at, at Big Ten championships as opposed to getting guys that take four years to get there. And now we got some guys that are coming in like that. So that's which is hard. Now I just lost my assistant coach, so now I got to go find somebody else. So you know, taught him for eleven years, and now I got to start over again. But, you make a you make a really good point, Dan. About people always think that okay, let's say you get to a Final Four, then you're going to get to another one, then another one, another one. Doesn't work that way. If you don't like our Rose Bowl situation. How long has it been now? Eighteen years. Yeah, two thousand one. Yeah, and and we yeah. haven't and we haven't we haven't smelled one, right? Right. We, I mean, we haven't even come close. So uh, when those things come, man, you better you better, you better enjoy. I don't got you better enjoy them because it's just not what you think it is. That you get the one, then all of a sudden everybody's going to want to come to your place. That isn't the case. Just right. isn't. Yeah, and everybody the expectations, you know, blah blah. blah. See, I'm a. I'm a process guy. I love the process. I loved going and watching games in Taipei and then seeing those rotations, all the experiments you were doing, and then see them start to come to fruition when we got back here. I, I love that. I, I I just like to see competitive, you know, competition, and, mm-hmm. and that to me is everything. But the fans, they they want to see championships. As Gene says, you lose, you, you're going to lose your job. And you know, Gene never got to a Final Four, but do you do you consider him a failure? I sure as heck don't. Right, I mean, he's one of the best coaches I've ever been around. That's some of the best I coaches agree. I've ever been around. Coach ten and unders, right? That are just unbelievable yeah. what they what they do and get those kids to believe in themselves and they can do. And that's what coaching is is all about: is getting somebody to do something they didn't think they could do. Let's see the smile on their face. First time I had a kid, you know, nine years old, some length of the pool. I can still remember. It's just smiling and jumped in my arms. Those are some of the, the greatest moments ever. Having a Big Ten champion, that's a great thing. Having a national champion, I can't even imagine it. And I've been here forever, so I haven't seen it, right? We've had a couple of sports to have, but not, right. you know, the ones that everybody is clamoring about. But, you know, I've seen divers win national championships. It's pretty good. But I tell you what, if you're not – happy and content on who you are before that medal, you ain't going to be happy and content afterwards. Ask David Badaya. He came one-tenth from not even making the semifinals in 2012. To, I mean, he literally was two-tenths of a point out of being 19th and not 18th, and then he ends up winning the gold medal. So you better enjoy the ride. Yeah, that's a that's a great way to put it. Um, when, how are you different as a coach when you started? Because you were a young man when you started. I was – 25 years old as head coach, had no business being the head coach at Purdue. I admit it. I know it. George made a decision, this, this, you know, the least amount of work. I mean, and then three years later, we were coach of the year in 88 because if you work hard. And back in those days, I said, I do 52% right, 48% wrong, but I believe 100% in my 52%, therefore I'll have success. So that was literally how, how I thought. I also, when I was 25, thought I was smarter than the son of a bunk. Now I'm 59, and I realize I don't know anything. But it's, it's, sometimes I miss that little cockiness that when you're young and you think you're going to do all these things. And I can remember, this is stupid, but I remember Larry Bird playing a Mackey for the first time. I came out saying, he's not dead good. How smart was I? I didn't. <laughs> but then I, I, then I, I looked at the box. Well, I, I was did, just I didn't say that. I was just an idiot kid, you know. But I saw the box. How did he have thirty three points? I thought he looked like he had ten. You know. Then you start looking. Wait a minute. The guy had like a third of their points or something. I still remember. I was in the, about the second to highest. You know, you're on the floor, Cliz. But I was the probably the second from the roof when Arnett Holman turned around 
and did that jump shot versus Michigan State. I never seen him. Man, he just kept going up. It looked like he could have gone to the rafters, but he just kept getting higher and higher and higher. Turns around, and releases that ball. It goes yeah. in, and I was a kid. I was in college then, and I just remember the euphoria. And that was what you know. I mean, I was a boilermaker. I was hooked, and I already was. But those are the moments that that are solidified in my head. I mean, I can remember Arnett doing that shot and turning around, and just just seemed like he went above everybody and made that shot. And those things, you know, Bart Burrell doing on Indiana, we had 72,000 in the stadium, and, and Mark Herman throws him a pass. Bart doesn't even look to the last minute in the end zone and catches it. We beat Indiana, flood the field, you know, those kind of things that I could go on and on and on about, but they're just burned into my well, the great, retina. Yeah, the greatest one, though, is when uh, Breeze threw the one to Morales, and that ball was halfway up. That ball was halfway there, and and I can remember being at the. I was in the press box at the at, at midfield, and you could see that ball up there. And if you looked around, and it, everything just became like stopped, stopped. And you you could you could look around. It, it was almost like you could look around and place everybody. Oh yeah. And then I saw Morales. There wasn't a man twenty yards near him, and that ball literally, was launching towards literally him. twenty yards. It's unbelievable. And, I, and thought, I, I, loved, thought, I thought that's the great. I've been here since '77 too, but I thought that was the greatest singular moment. And you love Boilermaker sports history. You love Drew's commentary on this. I looked. I looked one, two, three, four. You know, I was just checking off, checking off. And then I see this little guy just freaking. He calls him this little guy, just hauling down the field. And I just threw it as hard as I could and hoped he would catch it. And the little guy did. Boy, oh boy, <laughs> what a moment. That was after throwing what two picks or yeah, something in the right, game, right? Chasing down, back. chasing down that dude. I had to one leave. Yard I had to catch a flight that night to go somewhere and recruit, and I just, I just remember how nervous I was. I think I might have missed the flight, but to see that guy twenty <laughs> yards open, literally maybe more, is still unbelievable. Yeah, but yep. it just shows you, Drew. Drew was that guy, you know. And I, I made a comment, Larry, when I found out you had cancer. I, I really do believe Larry is that guy up there at the stadium with that anvil and pounding it because you're just you're just a workhorse you've been through everything some good some bad some in the middle of the road and you keep coming back and drew Brees, who who's who's a better guy who's 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 a guy that epitomizes what we're about more than that guy who who, who is not a new orleans saints fan that wears a producer i mean no everybody is right, right. because the guy's just character i mean when well, the second week of the second week of this season, when the Browns are there, I will not be a Drew Brees. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. All right, all right, all right. That's but I fair. love him. That's fair. <laughs> well, how about the what was it the uh, the thing that he won to go to the Louisville and he couldn't make it? Uh, what was that thing that he he oh, wore? The, 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 the John Wooden, John Wooden jersey, yeah. and he did that, and then he couldn't make it. So Louisville got stuck, and then they did a video thing for him. I yeah. mean, what a guy! I mean, that's he, just... the thing with and the thing with with Drew and with all these guys you're talking about. And the thing with you too um, is when you're a Purdue. And I said this to Dana O'Neill. She did a piece on Larry and his cancer fight. And I said, uh, if you're a Purdue person, uh, you're a Purdue person. There's no casual Purdue fan. Like there's nobody you see that go, yeah, I root for Purdue sometimes. No, you're either all in uh, or you're not. And you can't say that about other teams in this state. You know, and I made the comment, the old reversible jacket line about the, you know, the Nordame football, and then in the winter they switch it out and reverse it, and Indiana basketball on the inside. And, right. And there's a lot of those people in our state, um, but there's also a lot of Purdue people. And if you're a Purdue person, 
you have a direct tie to this place. And you either went here, your parents went here, your sister went here, your spouse went here. And uh, it's deep. I don't know what it is about this place, but when you're hooked, you're hooked. But Purdue people, listen to me. Our problem is we are too humble. We need to stand on the mountaintop and scream it out. That is our problem. We, I'm looking at Elliot's. He's got the Rick Mount thing on the silo. The, the we, if you have a silo, there should be a P on it. If you've got a farm, there should be a P somewhere. You should be flying a P flag and stop being so dadgum nice about it. We need to be screaming from the rafters how great this place is. We've got right here, just in this conversation, you know, there's a lot of years here, and, and I've known a lot of Boiler fans. Some of them aren't with us anymore, and eventually I won't either. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep going, and we need to shout it as loud as we can. Well, and I found, I found out in the last month that uh, we got the greatest fan base in the country, I'll tell you that. Amen. Yeah, and I, I couldn't sit a better coach. I mean, that is uh, that's it. Larry, I think. by the way, I, I I listened to the Dan Dockage one and Mitch calling you. I cried. Yeah. I I I cried. So did I. Un- unbelievable. I, that was one of the best interviews I've I've ever heard. Just from the heart, you just thank just, you. Just thank nailed you. it from the heart. And I go way back. I know there was days when uh, the, the old Larry Clisby sitting on the back the of different that different dude yeah sitting on the back of that charter flight to maui that one time in, in 99 i had my five kids my three kids and sally and we were in the back with todd mitchell i think in the in the back yeah. of that thing when we were flying over there that's, we go way back well coach uh i think that's a great as you just summed up that uh the, your whole speech there about purdue was dead on i believe the same thing and uh i think we do need to stick our chest out a little bit more uh, about this place and it's a good segue as we go into the final four now and these are four questions we ask all of our guests here on the boilerball podcast and uh, our first question for you is what is your go-to music of choice fish i'm in heaven right now it's fish radio on sirius xm 29 so fish radio through this weekend i have a neighbor who's a diehard, i miss mo you, i know you're like mo just played and i couldn't go they were here in town i saw him last time so i'm kind of a jam band guy because when you, i don't know how larry is but when you get our age and you grew up with classic rock, that means you listen to the same freaking song for 40-some years. I can't, if I, I couldn't listen to Babel Riley one more time if you put a gun to my head, even though it was great when I was a kid. All my, all my swimmers, and everybody knows, there's three bands when they come on the radio that it's, it's going to get switched quick. One is Aerosmith, one is Kansas, one is Foreigner, and I'm just about to add uh, Beach Boys. I just can't do it. I've heard them too many times, and they're all the, the channel's getting switched. So I'm going to Steely Dan or Fish Radio. I was at the Mo Show in town. It was fantastic. Really, really good show. Um, have you? So let me ask you this: the uh, the new version of the Grateful Dead with John Mayer. Are you? I had never, never. I've just heard it. I get nugs net, so I listen to the concerts. Big fan. Haven't, yeah. haven't been. Haven't been either. But I I watched the other day. They closed uh, their summer tour out in Boulder. They did two nights in Boulder, and I watched. There's a great. Um, Boulder show on YouTube and I had it on the other night as I was falling asleep and I couldn't couldn't stop watching I I'm in I'm gonna look it up night. it was fantastic I'll find the link and send it to you it was really really good so uh, I'm with you on the jam bands I can't get enough of the dead and uh, I'm not as into fish as probably you are and certainly as my neighbors it is but uh, I, I do enjoy their music as well uh, second question here on the final four with our uh, men's swimming coach Dan Ross is what is your favorite book or maybe a good book that you've recently read I like novels I like anything that I can take myself away if I were to 
give you one nonfiction book, it would be The Amateurs by David Halverson back in the 70s, I think. It's a great uh, rowing, it's a great coaching book. But for the most part, I'm reading Lee Child and I'm reading the old days. It used to be Lawrence Sanders. He's he's long gone. I like the, you know, the big bad guys that can beat people up and stuff like that. So that's what I read now. So, Larry, you read anything? Have you gotten to those Alexander the Great books? Yes, I have. And I was going to uh, give a shout out to Derek Wiltz, who made that available, two books available to me. Uh, I'm about halfway through the one, and uh, it's fascinating, really fascinating. And uh, I'm glad that I found that as a side uh, attraction, and, and now I'm really into it really studying uh military concepts and things like that see, so it's you guys, cool. see when i read or go to a movie i don't want any stress i just want to relax and not and i i can't read nonfiction. i get too into it and then i start i got to start doing stuff so i when i'm doing it, it's like that in you know or, or read the bible you know do if i'm going to get serious i'm going to do that because we need a little bit more of that out there but I like the ones that I can just go away and not think of. And even on an airplane, I don't want to li- watch a movie that I have to stress about. Because there's always a stress point in a movie, right? <laughs> right. I mean, that just shows you I, in the DISC thing, the DISC personality, yeah. I'm an SC. I am a non-confrontational, rule-following planner. Not the most flattering as a head coach. I understand that. But that's what I am. So when I, when I, when I, my go-to is to just chill and do, do nothing and cook. I'm, I can relate a little bit. I read certain books, and then I end up feeling depressed because I'm like, man, I've done nothing with my life. And this person's <laughs> done all this stuff, Amen. and I've done nothing. Amen. What am I doing? I'm over 40 now, and I haven't done anything. I haven't accomplished yeah. anything. <laughs> I, yeah, I agree. I've said that my whole career. <laughs> and it wasn't. It really wasn't until this uh, challenge I've been facing that I realized that uh, I've touched them a lot more lives than I ever thought I had, and yeah, you're doing and that's fine, and and that's really cool. I mean, that's 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 you talk know what's about great humbling. is great though, Larry. Is when you were younger, when you first started doing this, and the Dave Alexanders, and the you know all my buddies, and you know Dave has Alzheimer's, and and to listen to him, but we, you know you've come, you're pretty good when people bitch about you, like ah, Larry, oh. he leads, you know, he leading question, Larry, you know, he's, 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 and I just loved it when people would criticize and said, and look who's still here. Look who's still <laughs> yeah, doing it. Yeah, and yeah, every yeah. guy from every other Big Ten team, the announcers has the most respect for you. Like I said, when I see you, I see you as that guy with the anvil and the hammer up there. Just, just let's keep going, baby. Let's just well, keep going. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. All right, coach, uh, question three here in the final four. Uh, if you could wave a wand and do any other profession tomorrow, what would it be? Uh, I pro- You know, when I retire, I keep joking about this, I'd probably short order cook in the morning and play golf in the afternoon. I'd go to, <laughs> go to and just do fried eggs and, you know, I don't know, something. I'd like to cook and make people happy, have a cup of coffee, and then go play golf. My problem is my golf group's all gone. You know, Gene's not here, so I, I haven't played in Lafayette in a couple of years, but – I really don't have a lot of, I have no skills. Um, I've never had a real job in my life. I've been a lifeguard, manager of a pool, or a swim coach. I've never had, never worked at McDonald's. I've never, anything. I really don't have a lot of aspirations other than, you know, seeing my kids and doing whatever. So um, I would hope that whatever I did, I would love my teammates and do that. Sounds really stupid, but at this point in my life, that's what it's all about. Doesn't sound stupid to me. Sounds pretty cool. Um, So when you're posting all these, culinary creations is this is that you doing a majority yeah, that's of the a cooking? great somebody asked me uh and, and we could call sally up right now um yes those are every meal is mine i cook every meal in our house 
So I, I love to you. cook. That's my stress reliever when I come. Like I told you, I don't want a lot of a lot of uh, drama. Uh, I, I, I'm a guy that if there's drama on my team, I'm going to sit down and we're going to solve the problem so there's no more drama. I can't stand drama. So let's let's do it. So when I come home, I don't want drama. I'm cooking my food. Now there's you know there's a glass of wine or something involved too. So don't get me wrong, <laughs> but I'm doing all the cooking. That is outstanding. Okay, the final question here on the final four: What is something that no one or very few people know about you? Uh, when I was a kid, I had fifty-six stuffed animals. They all had names, jobs, birth dates. Um, I, uh, what? Yeah, I did. What? Yeah, that was me. I did, and then uh, I also for hours would go out back. Uh, lived in South Carolina, and, you, and I had a couple of railroad ties, and I would run down to the basketball, which was, you know, not not. It was against a tree. And it was roots. I knew where all the roots were. You couldn't beat me in my basketball court. And I would go out and play, and I had games. And I had a whole league. Uh, I was Dan Ross. I was never the leading guy. I was always, like, somewhere in the top ten. You know, I never was the number one guy. And I had names for all the other guys. And I had statistics and points and this and that. But I did that with my stuffed animals, and I did it with my basketball. But basketball was my first passion. And uh, I played myself, by myself, every day when I go home. You have to understand. Dan, you got to understand something, man. I mean, that's that's the typical background for a sports announcer. Yeah. Well, you know what? Typical. This is really weird. I announced a couple of our meets, and, and somebody, when our Adam Soldati said, Dan, you ever think about just announcing when you're done? Yeah. I said, you know, I could yeah. probably do that. It's, uh, yeah, because I, mean, yeah. I, I had a make-believe guy. His name was Billy Dixon. And when I was like seven – <laughs> like uh, like uh, when I was seven or eight, he'd hit eighty home runs. Oh. By the time I was eleven or twelve, it was down to like thirty one. <laughs> you know, I, I, right? I, yeah, right. So it's you, realistic. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's a really right. interesting, Larry. And this is something for everybody out there. I have I have three sons, and I'm just I can do because you ask me on here, I can say whatever I want. My oldest uh, was an English major, worked in the uh, AmeriCorps inner city uh, city year for two years. You know, serving, and then got his master's degree. He's getting his PhD in in uh, uh, cultural studies at george mason right now he's following his dreams my middle son was the engineer i thought i was gonna be an engineer for two years got an excess physiology like my dad he became the engineer he's working in kansas city my youngest went and studied radio and television at southern illinois and you know what he just started a full-time job he he, he was announcing our swim meets at nine years old he was our announcer at nine years old he it, huh. for, for out at harrison or not harrison but burnett creek for age group, for you know, like show and tell when you're 12 years old, he announced a swimming race. That was his thing. He, that's his, his his dream. You know what he's doing now? He works full time for Swimming World magazine, and they just took over the International Swimming Hall of Fame. His office is in Fort Lauderdale, overlooking the International Swimming Hall of Fame pool in the ocean. Wow! So that's you know, follow cool. your dreams. I mean, essentially, Larry, you're doing what you meant yes. to do. I've never yes. had a real job in my life, and Elliot, you've done way more than you give yourself credit for. Oh, by, by the way, folks, <laughs> don't ever play Elliot in golf, because he won't play for two years in a row. He's got the sweetest swing, and he pinches the ball. I've never seen this. He pinches the ball into the grass like pros do, and it just flies off of there, and you will never win. So don't ever <laughs> let him fool you. He's got one of the sweetest swings out there. Well, I appreciate that, and uh, I don't know about that. It's been my game's been a little rusty, but uh, I'll certainly take the compliment. Rusty means seventy nine. That <laughs> rusty means seventy. That might be that might be the most interesting. No one knows about the stuffed animals. So just before we close here, give us 50, 52, 52 stuffed animals. No, I was fifty four, I think. Okay, so give us 50. give us like two animals and what their names and occupations were. Uh oh my gosh, I had a parrot. 
what was the hell was his name? <laughs> and he was an airline, but that's you know how I call you about the inner, and I yeah. have flight aware, and I'll follow you guys. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. where it started. So I had this parrot that was like an airline, and the little animals could go on top, and I could fly them around the house from point to point. And I don't even remember his name now, but hey. I was a weird kid. I could entertain yeah, myself for hours though. That Golly. is awesome. That is a lot of information, Dan. That's awesome. Hey, you know what? Everybody's got them. You know what? We do our camp. This, this is another thing about this day and age. I say before camp, when we got, you know, let's say we have 15 counselors, you got to say an interesting fact about yourself to all these pe- people out there. They can't do it. Right. You can't. <laughs> I can give true. you 15 right off. I just gave you some. I can give yeah. you tons, you know, about me. And, and But I can also make fun of myself because I don't really care. I mean, but that's who I was. You guys do these little nerdy things when you're a kid. Admit it. Right. My son, he'll kill me. My youngest son who's writing for Zimmer, you know what he did? He had a touch bed in his room. He had a KP, a penguin, and he would hold this penguin. And our yard, we have this long hallway, was a short course, 25 yards, which is the competitive. But out back was our long course pool. It was a 50 meters, the Olympic business. He would go out back and swim with this penguin back and forth. What is he doing now? He's calling swim races for a, for a living. <laughs> but you, but I. That question that we to your point about the coaches not having anything good to say. When we pose this question to other guests, uh, you know they struggle, and some people really struggle. And you just got up to the plate and and just belted out five people or six don't home runs. We all have the Grand people. Well, they don't. They don't. They don't. You know what? They may think that's really weird if I say that. You know, say, I don't care. That's what it was. You know, I was a nerdy kid. What the heck? Well, everybody I, was. They just want to admit it. Since we're revealing things, I want to reveal one thing before we go here. We had a all all staff meeting, coaches meeting one morning, and I was sitting there, and I forget who I was sitting next to. But we started the meeting. Let's say the meeting started at eight, and it was like eight o two, and you walked in, and you come over and sit down, and I looked over, I looked up, and I the coach next to me, I go, that guy there is a beast. He does not give a damn. <laughs> and we both started laughing, and I said, because I couldn't, like, you were you only two minutes late to this meeting, but you walked in and sat down, like, all right, let's go. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, if I, if that was me, I don't know if I'd have the guts to walk in. I may just skip the meeting and say, you know what, I, I wrecked my car, I couldn't make it. And, like, but it was so, it was just a moment where I just thought, God, that, that's a cool dude. And I've always thought that way about you. I mean, I don't know if I've ever told you that or not, but I've just thought you're just a cool Elliot, guy. And, Elliot, uh, the three of us here, we don't have to say this, but it's a kiss-ass fest. We all have <laughs> ultimate respect for each other. And uh, I, I, this has been a great time for me to just to talk about this stuff. And you can just burn this when we're done because no one's going to listen. <laughs> oh, trust me. There'll be people that'll love this uh, and uh, we, people we, have time to do this and listen to this. You'd be amazed, Larry and I, when we're, we're out on the road and we're in airports, things like that. You'd be amazed how many people come up and tell us they love them, keep them coming. I well, know, I need so. to go on another trip. I, Clemson was my last trip with you guys. Well, let me so know. So, if there's a one coming up that you need some extra something, let us know. We'll take a look at the schedule. Our Big Ten schedule should be out soon, and we'll take a look and see which trip we can get you on. But, uh, Coach, you always. It should come down to Charleston, man. That's oh, his home area. We yeah. When is that? Is that week Thanksgiving? before Thanksgiving? Weekend, week before Thanksgiving. The week before? Like yeah. week of Thanksgiving? No, yeah, no, no week, week before. Weekend. Like November 5th. Uh, we're at Iowa. 15th through the 18th. We're at Iowa yeah. that weekend. When we did that, that one with Larry, they chartered a plane to Mount. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was the yeah. greatest thing. And, they, you know, there was. Total empty that was seats. Ni- that, that was the 99 team. Cardinal. 99 team, yep. And yeah. we Carson went, and Cunningham. 
my little the young one I was talking about. So this is ninety nine. He's four year four or five years old. He went to every game with me. The rest of them went to the beach, and he went to every game. So he that was his. He was a, he's been a sports guy ever since, and he has a absolute photographic memory. He remembers everything. He could tell you everything that happened at those games when he was that age to every swimming meet. And I'll tell you, I'm just a, a proud dad. Is go, uh, Katie Ledecky broke the world record in Ohio just a couple of months ago, and it was a night that no one was there, and he was the only press guy there. So the entire really? interview is my son interviewing Katie Ledecky, and it's 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 a, a great piece of journalism, to be honest with you. And, uh, you know, I can say that because, because I've been listening to Larry for a long time and listen to how you got better over the years. And I'm guessing it's, you, you know, in radio the hard thing is you – Less is more, but you have to keep talking, right? So it's, right. how do you do that? How do you do less is more, but keep talking? And you've, you've become really good at that as opposed to just talking to talk. You say what you need to say and shut up. And radio is hard because, you know, I don't need this. I just gave you 30 years of my life right here. I've got nothing to say if I ever had to do this again, where you've got to constantly keep coming up with this. But you do, you do it by saying less, but not stop talking. I don't know how you, that's an art. That's a really hard thing to do to me. Well, Larry, keeps, well, he keeps trying to get better, and one day he will. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, think we can all maybe. say that in our jobs. Yeah, maybe, hopefully. <laughs> I'm in my 70s now. I should I should get it now. <laughs> yeah. I hope I'm like your idol, um, uh, Brent Musburger. If I could get to that point, then I'd be... I could I could he's walk my, away and see. He's my second idol. You've always been the, you've always been number one, Larry. Yeah, but he's uh, boy, I can't ever say anything bad about Brent. That's for sure. That's true. No, All right. I, I I can't. I have to say this off the air. I was going to do an Al McGuire. <laughs> yeah, things, a lot of Al McGuire's would be off air. Well, that's going to do it for everybody. That's a podcast episode 46 with Dan Ross. And I tell you, Coach, thank you so much for taking time. Um, I know we've really enjoyed uh, spending an hour with you here. Take care, Lair. Thanks, Dan. All right, fans. Uh, appreciate everybody tuning in. Remember, keep the emails coming, boilerballpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, until next time, be curious, be informed, and be well. Mm-hmm.